that the powerful picture of those gifts being presented is so helpful to me uh, because these gifts that these wise men presented, they have symbolic meaning for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, what we've been studying over the last few weeks, we're going to continue today. We've been looking at this, uh, this narrative in Matthew 2. Don't turn there. That's not where we're going to be. But that's where the narrative of the Magi is found. And we opened up this series talking about how they knew to follow the star, what, what their mission was, and how it was they were able to accomplish that. And now we're looking at the three gifts that were presented by them to Jesus. And these gifts have significant meaning. Now, on Christmas Eve, we're going to unpack all of it at once. And so I hope you'll be here. We've got three of those, uh, 230, 330, 430 here uh, in the worship center. If you can't be here by then, go to our campus on the north side uh, there at Redeemer. They've got a service at 7 o'clock that they're going to have. But invite family and friends. We're going to bring all of this uh, cumulatively and celebrate the coming of our Messiah. This Messiah who has come was promised, and this promise is fulfilled in so many ways. There's so many prophecies. Listen, if, if I wanted to disbelieve the Bible, I couldn't. If I wanted to, I couldn't, because of all the prophecies that point to this Messiah, so unmistakably true, and how he has fulfilled these. And what we see in these gifts it's, it's very significant. Last week we talked about the gift of gold, and I know I didn't do a very good job of kind of painting the picture of how that was symbolic of royalty, but I was so excited to get into Isaiah chapter 9. So if you weren't here last week, be sure, get on the church app, get on Facebook, get on our website, and go and listen to that sermon about the King of Kings and how he fulfilled the uh, prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9. Today we're going to talk about frankincense. So gold was given, and then frankincense. Now what is, what is significant? about frankincense. Frankincense is symbolic of the presence of God. Now, where do we get that from? Well, in, in Exodus chapter 30, there's an explanation of how frankincense was used as a part of the incense that was presented there in the tabernacle and the temple. Now, this use of this frankincense was serious business. This was to be a, a symbolic remembrance, a remembrance for the people, so that when they smelled that, that odor of frankincense, it would immediately call to mind to them the very presence of God. And it was so very serious that in Exodus 30, uh, verse 38, it says, if anyone uses that, that's, that frankincense, that incense, for anything other than a reminder of the presence of God, listen to this, they were to be kicked out of the nation. They were to be removed. I mean, just imagine about it. You know, you, you think about today, you know, uh, some of you got, you know, some of this essential oils, folks. Aren't you glad you're in the new covenant? Amen. Yeah, imagine going home. Yeah, yeah. How's, how'd your year go? Merry Christmas. Yeah, it was great. Well, what's going on? Well, we got kicked out of church. Why? Man, we put the frankincense in the diffuser again. I don't know. I don't know how the pastor found out. But thankfully, we're under the new covenant, so that's not the, how it works. But in, in the old covenant, that, that was so important. And, and here's why. Have you, do you have a smell that as soon as you smell it, it takes your mind somewhere? You know, for me, you know, put me around some smelly, stinky socks, all right? And immediately, I go back to my high school football locker room, all right? There's no smell like a nasty, stinky football high school locker room that brings a smile to my face, right? Uh, you know, you think about, um, oh, you know, what's something? Like our house. Like if I go on a long trip and I come home 
there's a unique smell to our house. I get used to when I'm around all the time, but when I come home, it takes me back to July 2001 when we first moved in that house. And that smell that was there. You know, you think about different foods that maybe you smell. So how many of you, think just a moment, how many of you, if you, if you smelled something right now, that it would take you back immediately to a person or a place? Show of hands. Yeah, almost everybody, because that's how God designed us, that's how He made us. And that's why this, this whole use of the frankincense under the Old Covenant was so serious, because God wanted the people of Israel, when they smelled that smell, to be immediately reminded of the awe and the majesty and the greatness of God. It was symbolic of the presence of God. Now, we don't, they did not have the, the ability just to kind of go walking into the presence of God. As a matter of fact, to enter into the presence of God was quite dangerous. As a matter of fact, without the, the specific rites, the person would drop dead. So in order for the presence of God to be experienced, it had to be mediated by another person. There had to be a go-between. And that go-between was known as the high priest. The high priest came from amongst the people, the Levitical people, the Levitical priesthood. And he was selected to serve for a year. Now, this person had a great responsibility. This person was not only to serve as a representative and mediator between God and Yahweh, I mean, the people and Yahweh, the covenant name of God. He was also to supervise the other priests. He was to make sure that the covenant was enforced. He was to direct the hearts of the people toward God. And once a year... He was to enter into the Holy of Holies and present the sin offering to atone for the sin of the people. This was a serious, big deal job. But it was limited. It was limited, and it was meant to be, because it was meant to point to the priest of priests. It was meant to point to the high priest of heaven, Jesus Christ. We now have for us, mediated between us and God, Jesus Christ, who allows us to experience the presence of God. Jesus Christ is the high priest of heaven. And it is through him alone that we have access to God, that we are able to be received by God and to enjoy his blessing. The book of Hebrews is one of my favorite books because it provides so much insight into what the Old Testament is talking about and how it pictures the coming of Christ. If you've got your Bible, and I hope you do, take it out with me. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. In Hebrews chapter 7, we see an explanation of this high, high priest thing and, and who this is and, and what this means. There's so much here in chapter 7. I wish we had the whole time to, to go into the, the order of Melchizedek and what all this means. We just don't have time. So we're going to just focus on a few verses. I'm going to have Madison come and read those. So Madison, come on up. Let's all stand to, together in honor of God's Word. She's going to read for us Hebrews chapter 7. And God willing, I'm going to preach on verses 23 through 26. So let your eyes be drawn to there. And Madison, if you would read that for us. The former priests were many in number because they were invented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God for him. He always lives to make intercession for them. For it is indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Master. If you would go ahead and be seated. We've been saying this all along, and I want to continue to say it. You cannot stop what God has determined to do. The best thing you can do is join in what God has decided to do and to be a part of it. God decided before the foundation of the world that he himself would come to die for sin and be raised to give eternal life to all who believe. 
And before the foundation of the world, he determined that all who would believe would become to him a kingdom of priests. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. It's a doctrine. If you're not familiar, look it up. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. And what that means is, is that you're not depending upon me uh, to, to be your mediator or to gain access for you to God. You have direct access to God in the name and the power of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And with that privilege comes a responsibility. Those of us who believe we are now a part of a kingdom of priests, and, and that title brings with it a responsibility. And that responsibility is to serve. And, and I know within our congregation of this size that sometimes it seems very difficult to get connected, to be a part of this place. But friends, if you will get connected and if you will be a part of relationships with other people, this church feels very, very small. If it feels big to you, it's because you haven't made that step. And one of the best steps that you can make in enjoying what it means to be uh, a part of the priesthood of the believers is to get rooted. This morning, I'm going to ask the Bartlett's to come up. Where'd you guys go? Come on up here. They took that step last year, and they experienced a, a taste of what it is to, to, to be those priests. And so, Julie, what was it like for you? What was this experience like? For me, it allowed me to grow in a more intimate level with my relationship in Christ, um, as well as be more comfortable in, in telling my story and how he fits in my story. Yeah, because you were in a group, and, and uh, in a quick time, you guys really got connected, and you were sharing your stories, right? Absolutely. And that was a part of that stepping out and serving one another. Jason, what was it like for you? Uh, it was a interpersonal and introspective look at, at my walk. And then presenting that in front of other people, yeah. uh, you, you're stepping out really on, on some faith there. Um, but it gives you a, a chance to reflect on your walk, uh, where you are at present, and they give you a roadmap for, for your future walk. And you've got that in community. So you're serving people. They're serving you. Meanwhile, you're figuring out your place to serve in the church and in the kingdom. Right. And you guys are going to continue on, right? Absolutely. So what's going to happen now? What's the next step now? Right now, we've actually formed a, a small group out of our rooted group. Yep. And so now you're going to be serving one another and continuing God's will, right? Absolutely. Amen. Guys, come on for affirmation for, the, for their step. Thank you, guys. Love you all. Appreciate you, Jason. So we experience the priesthood of believers in community. We're never meant, and we weren't designed to, to, to experience that in isolation. As a matter of fact, you can. To be a priest is to serve and to be served. And this is one of the great gifts that we gain by being under the high priest of heaven. We get to serve under him. We get to serve one another. And the blessing is ours. The thing I want you to, to, to wrestle with this morning is this. Are you under the high priest of heaven? Have you received the leadership of the high priest of heaven? Have you been blessed by his sacrifice? And does it define your life? Or have you allowed something else? So let's look at the text and let's, let's look at what happens to those who receive the high priest of heaven. Three things I want you to take note of. And the first one is this. Those who receive the high priest of heaven, they give their lives to an eternal cause. We are similar and dissimilar to those Levites in the Old Testament. You see in verse 23, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Like us, they had one life to give. Like us, they had one shot to be able to serve. And their service was intended to be for an, an eternal purpose, but there was a limit to it. There was a limit in power. The Holy Spirit had not yet come. There, there was a, the power of the Spirit, and they experienced that as He would guide them by day, by the pillar, and, and that sort of thing. But they, 
they were forced to rely on a tabernacle and a temple. Good news for those of us who believe. We now are the temple. He has now chosen God himself, has chosen, John 1 says this, to tabernacle with us. And he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those Levites, they were limited in power. They, they were also limited in purpose. One of the things about the Israelites that is very different than us is that their primary focus as priests was to serve only the redeemed of God. They were only responsible to care for the other people of Israel. As a matter of fact, you read the entire Old Testament and what you see, God only sent one guy ever to go out to the Gentiles, and that was Jonah. Remember we studied that a few months ago? He was the one rare prophet called to go to the Gentiles and to, and to preach. But here we have this calling on our lives that is far different. Not only do we have this presence, not only do we have a purpose that is beyond ourselves, but there, there really is this, this glorious power that is at work, and we get to enjoy the honor and the opportunity of being the priests of God. Jesus said this in Revelation chapter 1. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us look a kingdom. What kind of kingdom? Priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We have this privilege of being those who are, are counted as those who can, who can serve God and to be a part of His eternal purpose. You know, we, we have this, this, as this kingdom of priests, we have a power that is alive in us in the name of Jesus that enables us to enter into the presence of the Most High God and ask for His favor, to ask Him to provide. Let me ask you something. Would you... What's your prayer life like? Is it your lifeline? Is it what really drives you to have hope? See, in our lives, either we're going to trust in God or we're going to trust ourselves or we're going to trust in other people. Prayer is a sign that we are trusting in God. So let me ask you, are you? You know, as a priest under the high priest who's been given access to the throne room of heaven, do you take advantage of that? Is it, is it a delight? Is it an honor? Is it a privilege that you are able to bow your head, close your eyes, and speak to the Almighty in the name of Jesus, knowing that you are asking for His will to be done according to His Word and to be able to pray with confidence? That is one of the privileges of the priest's the priest under the high priest under the new covenant. More than that, we are considered to be his light. Look at this in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you have the light of life? Does anybody know it? Are you shining where you work, where you hang out, where you, where you go to school? Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. And those who follow in his way are his light. Paul talked about this to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, look what he says. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. How has God determined to make himself known to the world? Does he do it supernaturally? You better believe he does. As a matter of fact, one of the neat things that's happening amongst the Islamic people that our missionaries are working with, many of them are receiving dreams. And they're being told that Jesus is meeting with them and calling them to believe and telling them someone's going to be coming and talking to you tomorrow. And then one of our missionaries or somebody on our mission trips, they go walking in and they're like, hey, I've been waiting for you. 
Can God do that? Does God do that? He sure does. But you know the way he typically does it? Is he uses the priests. The priesthood of the believers. As we go to work, as we go to school, as we're at home, as we're in our neighborhoods, he chooses to use our love and our life to show people the way of Christ and to have the gospel explained to them through us. We are the body of Christ. We are the manifestation of God in the world. How are you doing on that? Friends, you got one life. And it is so brief. How many of you, and it's okay, you're in church, don't lie. How many of you all are freaking out a little bit that it's December and the end of the year is almost here? Show of hands. A few of you, the rest of you don't even know what's going on then, all right? Because, I mean, it's just, I mean, this, it's just going so, so fast. You know, life is going so fast. One of our senior adults <laughs> said this the other day. He said, Pastor, you know, life is like toilet paper. The closer you get to the end of it, the faster it goes. <laughs> and boy, isn't that deep and true, right? Friends, we got one shot at this. And, and we need to stay focused. You know, I want you to be praying for the elders. We're going to be meeting tomorrow night because one of the things that we've recognized amongst the leaders, amongst ourselves, is how easily we get distracted and how easy we can lose sight of the mission of what God has called us to because there's all these little things that are going on. And what we have seen in our lives and the lives of many of the members is, is sometimes you can get caught up with the things that are biting at you. Bill Ferris had the line of the retreat, in my opinion. I shared this with staff. I want to share it with you guys. And this is true. He said, you know what, boys? A dog on the hunt doesn't know it's got fleas. Now let that resonate in your soul a little bit, all right? Say, what in the world is he talking about? Look, when you're living on a mission and you're focused on what you're supposed to be doing, the little things that bite at you, they don't distract you. When you're on the hunt to, to fulfill the mission of God in your life, in your family, in your marriage, amongst your friends, at your workplace, you don't, the little distractions, the little things that, that bite at you, nibble at you, that, that call your attention, they don't, they don't, they don't frustrate, they don't overwhelm. Why? Because you are overwhelmed with a great cause that's been given to you in Jesus Christ. It is an eternal cause. Friends, are you focused on the fleas or are you focused on the hunt? Are you focused on what God alone has called you to by His grace or are you distracted? Friends, we have been given the privilege to be a part of God's work, this eternal cause. And those who receive the high priest of heaven, we get to give our lives to an eternal cause. Secondly, those who receive the high priest of heaven, we get to place our trust. They place their trust in an eternal, now look at this, person. Not an institution. Not dogma. Not a philosophy. A person. Who is this person? Look at verse 24. But he, this person, this man, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Friends, salvation comes through the eternal person, Jesus Christ, and He reigns forever. That's good news, bad news. It's good news if you believe. It's bad news if you don't. Psalm 146.10 says this, The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. You cannot praise the Lord if you are not under the leadership of the high priest of heaven. That terrifies you to know that He will reign forever. Because if you are not under his leadership, you're on your own and you are his enemy. Every single one of us were born into sin and every single one of us have committed treason. 
and the cost of treason is death. But any who will receive the gift of the high priest of heaven will be forgiven of their sins, will be given new life, will enter into the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ and be given new life. This new covenant, Jesus talked about, I quote it every time we receive the Lord's Supper. Of course, I quote it in the NIV. Here's the ESV, Matthew 26, verse 28. For this is my blood of the, I always quote the NIV, new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. This high priest has come, and he's died to pay for our sins. And this is good news for those of us who believe, because he's going to reign forever. He is the Almighty. And now, because of His covenant and His blood, we will always be loved. And hear me, we will never, ever be separated from that love. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do you know Romans 8, Romans 8, 38? This ought to be underlined in your Bibles. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Once you come under the Lordship of the High Priest of Heaven, your sin is pardoned, His leadership is forever, and nothing will separate you from that love. Is that good news or what? And we get to be a part of serving His purpose, of letting the world know that the Lord loves us, that He's come to rescue us. We get to be a part of that eternal cause. We get to be a part of, of God changing the world, and we get to experience His peace. So write it down. Those who receive the high priest of heaven, they find their peace in an eternal salvation. It's not temporary, it's eternal. And look what the Word says about this. I want to slow down. I want to, I want to take a few things out. How much time? We got time. And in verse 25 through 26, I want to show you a few things. We have peace with God. First of all, I want you to see this because how we are saved. Look at this says, look how it describes our salvation, how we are saved. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. How are we saved? To the uttermost. What does that mean? It means completely. It means totally. It means fully. Those who draw near to, him, to God through him. God doesn't just sort of save us. Jesus didn't come and just give us a little bit of a help. He came, and for those who believe, He saved us totally and completely. This message, this gospel, this good news is unique to Christianity alone. All other world religions teach that God sort of gives you a little bit of help, but you got to make it happen. you got to get your way to God. you got to earn your way. you got to figure it out. When I was uh, playing college football, there was a tradition on that team that was a little bit scary. Um, I, I fortunately missed out on it. Uh, I, I'd broken some ribs, and so I wasn't there the night it happened. And I was kind of, ever been glad you had broken ribs? That's a weird thing, right? Well, they had this tradition is that they would take the freshmen, and they would get them in the middle of the night around 1 o'clock, and they'd take them out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, they'd give them a, a quarter. Let me do some background real quick. Boys and girls, don't let this scare you, but there was a day when there was no such thing as a cell phone. I know that's a scary thought. Don't get nightmares about this, all right? But we did okay. But there was this thing called a pay phone. How many of you know what a pay phone is? It means you're old. And so you would take a quarter and you put it in, you can make a call. So what they would do is they'd take you out in the middle of nowhere and they'd give you a quarter to all these guys and they would say, okay, 
Check-ins at 6 o'clock. If you miss practice, you know what happens. So you're terrified because you know judgment is coming. you got to make your own way. And I tell you, that is not what Jesus has done. That's not what has happened. God didn't drive us out in the darkness. We chose to go. We chose to sin. And that has put us in darkness, out on our own. And you know what Jesus didn't do? He said, here, I'm going to give you a chance, but you better, you got to get your way to me. No, what did Jesus do? He entered the darkness. Light entered the darkness, born of a virgin. He lived as the light of God. He provided the way through his death. He has been raised. And now all who believe are saved to the uttermost, saved completely. And so now we have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us. We are saved to the uttermost. And and we can be defined rightly by Jesus Christ. Now look what it says here. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now that term, to make intercession for them, that's a legal term. Let me explain. See, Jesus is always interceding for us. Let me tell you what he's not doing. He's not trying to convince God to love us. God already loves us. He is not continuing to to provide atonement for our sin. That's not what he's doing there. He's still not earning our salvation. He's still not providing salvation. That happened on the cross. That's why Jesus' last words were, It is finished. So what does it mean that he is interceding for us? What it means is is that he is affirming us. He is speaking on our behalf to God and to us. He's defining us. As human beings, created beings, we have this very serious shortcoming in that we are not self-sufficient. We don't have the capacity to define ourselves. We are required and desperately need to be defined by something outside of us. And so that's, that's why so much of what's happening in the world is happening. You know, I was, I was watching some, some young people recently uh, on Instagram. They were taking a picture. It was a group picture. So they would take the picture, and then everyone would gather around it. And then it was either thumbs up, oh, I hate that picture. I look terrible. Do another one. Remember the good old days when you took a picture, and a month later you hope it worked out? Those things are gone. It's instant, right? And they do it, and it's like it's up for the whole world before you know. Why do, why do we do that? And, and why do we care about how many likes we got? Here's why. Because we're, we're wanting people to make intercession for us. We're wanting people to see that and say, oh, you're cool, you're smart, you're sharp, you've got it together. Now, I know some of you are judging, so I say, that's why I don't use social media, because I'm not shallow. Oh, really? So you don't use your job, you don't use your income, you don't use your, your intellect or your capacity to be successful in school or sports or, or anything. You don't, you don't, you don't, you're not defined by any of those things. Remember in your church, you're in church, don't be lying. As human beings, we are constantly looking for intercession. We're looking for something to define us. I'm going to tell you something. If that, if that definition doesn't come from Jesus Christ, you're in serious trouble because everything else will fail you. Everything else will fall short. The only one who can define you and give you complete peace is Jesus Christ. Because here's what he says about you. You are eternally loved. You are bought with the blood of God. You matter forever, and you've got a place in the kingdom. 
Imagine if you would go to school believing that, not having to be defined by anything or anybody else. Imagine being able to go to work and just working freely for the joy of the Lord to, to fulfill your responsibility, but not to be defined by it. Not to be defined by how you look. Not to be defined about what other people think. But to be liberated to simply say, I am a blood, blood-bought child of the King of Heaven and I'm here to serve you. How you doing? There's a liberty in that. And that's where peace comes from. Some of you have no peace because you're trying to find it in a created thing. God alone can give you what you're longing for. He's interceding for us. He is making intercession for us. And He has the authority to do it. Look at this in verse 26. Christ alone can do this. Why? For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Oh, how I wish we had time to break apart each one of those words. You're going to have to do it on your own. Let me give you just this, just this understanding. Understand that before God, Jesus Christ is the Holy Lamb of God who alone can take away the sin of the world. Jesus doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. Before the foundation of the world, He was exalted and holy and great. Nothing defines Him other than Himself. He is completely self-sufficient. He is nothing like us. He is satisfied in Himself. He is holy. He is good. He is beyond sinners. And you know what He's done? He's chosen to love us. Isn't that glorious? And He, in His love, gives us new life. And that new life makes us something we could never be on our own. That new life makes us a kingdom of priests. Allows us to live for an eternal cause. Allows us to have peace with God. Allows us to, to experience the, the wonder of this everlasting King of Kings, Priest of Priests. Let me ask you, is He the purpose of your life? I mean, just be honest. You're living for something. What are you living for? A hundred years from now, is it really going to matter? What defines you? A hundred years from now, is it going to matter? Who are you helping? I mean, when you go to work tomorrow, you know, when, when you go to school next semester, when, when you're hanging out with your friends... Who defines you? What defines you? Are you free just to be a child of the King of Heaven and go and serve and laugh and love and live in His grace? Friends, that's life. Or are you a person who's got to figure out their own way? Are you a person who right now stands guilty before the Almighty and without a change, the wrath of God is your future. Are you a person who's frightened by the opinions and, and, and driven by the thoughts of others about you? Are you still trying to please your dad? Are you still trying to live up to the standards of your mom? Are you, are you, are you, are you held hostage by the words of your friends and peer group and other people? horrible place to live. Friends, God has called you to freedom. And that freedom is found under the high priest of heaven. Are you free? 
Are you praying for the freedom of others? Are you living this glorious life? Listen, our God is good. He is King of Kings. There is none like Him, and we can adore Him. And this morning, I want to invite you to come and pray if you want to, or just to just to worship Him and praise you, praise Him for the goodness that He's shown you. Let's all stand together. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, I, I, I see there's so much more that could have been said, and I pray that, that what has been said has been enough. But Lord, we now have the opportunity just to praise your name as we get ready to go back on mission in this world. But first, Lord, I pray that there'll be some who will come and get on their knees. Some to say, Lord, I want you to define me. I want your love to fill my life. I want to I want to be yours. Please forgive me of my sin and take over my life. Lord, I pray for some of your children today who can come and say, Lord, I want to be free in you. I just want to honor you. I want to serve you. I want to delight in you. I want to use every challenge and opportunity to live out my identity and to show the world this light and this love. And Lord, I know there's many of us in this room who know of hurts of marriages that are crumbling, families that are being torn apart, uh, lives that need to be healed. Lord, hear the prayers of those who humbly come and bend their knee before you to ask you, the high priest of heaven, to do a miracle, to do what only you can do. We praise you, we pray to you now.